It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. How are you, Dave? I'm on I mate. Uh, I was just thinking our sweep there says uh, anything and everything football. There's not there, there, there's nothing there, nothing and nothing at there, all to talk about. Is there anything football? <laughs> is there everything football? What does football look like during an international break if not for a huge desert opening up in front of your very, very eyes? We could talk about the fact that Holland scored eight, we could talk about the fact that England scored four, but I don't want to do that, that we might be reduced. Yeah. Reduced, I say to it at some points as this show wears on. Um First and foremost, let's uh, let's discuss the fact that you didn't make it last week. No blame no. culture, Dave. We're on a strong no blame culture here. Well, so, you've been you've become that used to it over the past eight to ten to twelve months, haven't you? The people filling in the Dave Downey no show. Yeah, it, it's been it's become a current theme. It has a recurring theme. It has on City Talk. So we knew what we were about. We had, we had, we had contingencies in place. Uh, we broke glass. Ian McIntosh appeared. We broke more glass. <laughs> Suddenly we had John Gibbons clearing the glass up, yeah. um, and we did all right. But what we didn't get to hear, we didn't get to hear. We got. got to hear Greg O'Keefe's view on. We didn't get to hear your view on a game that's happened now. I think it's about ten days ago, but we will do it anyway because, ladies and gentlemen, what else are we going to do? We can't juggle. Yeah. You can't see us. <laughs> um, this is uh, we... it's a good job. You can't see us. It's a condition we've arrived oh, in. Yes, the state that we're in today. Um, I want to know about your views on Everton versus Manchester City. The thing that struck, uh, struck me when I was watching it, referred to referred to it with uh, Greg as well, is that Everton have loaned um, Lukaku. And Lukaku put the ball in the back of the net. But the player that the most reliant on the loanee, the most reliant on his uh, all-in-the-game's favourite footballer ever, uh, Gareth Barry. Everton needed someone like Barry, didn't they? Desperately. Um, it was it was there for all to see. Even though I think first half, James McCarthy really impressed me for the 90, to be honest with you. I thought he was head and shoulders above everybody else, but unfortunately that didn't take much in the end. Uh, you look, and, and aside from Lukaku's goal, and, and it's again, that's been an underlying theme, he doesn't seem to be able to, to pull out the full 90 himself. Um, which, he's, a, he's a big lad, and which, this is yeah. this is part of it. He is that he's such a, you know, it, it's to power himself around the pitch the way yeah, he does because yeah. he, he doesn't move slowly. It takes it takes a lot of coal to, to light that fire, doesn't it? That yeah. he's got, but you know, I'd, I'd like to think Martinez has had some sort of contingency plan ready for that. If not that, play him alongside somebody. I think. There's time to do, and I, and I think he will revert to it at some point. Maybe playing a second striker next to him. I don't believe Nikita Jelovic's career at Everton's over by any means yet. And also, I mean, he, he opted to put Kone on. Um, obviously, the game is over. He gave him a run out towards the end, but you know, I, I think if you're gonna, I mean, he, he's been fantastic, hasn't he, since he's been there? It's hard to take someone like that off. Um, similarly to what we've spoken about Gerard recently, you know. I don't think it's necessarily... I think it's just game time he needs, Lukaku, because you look at how many goals he scored off the bench for West Brom last season. He never really had a full season under his belt mm. of first-team football since he was back at Anderlecht. So. What was interesting about him last season when he came on at Anfield and scored, they were 1-0 up at the time and they brought mm. him on. He may still be 0-0. It was close. He was warming up anyway, at the very least, when the goal went in. He may just have got on at that point. But he came on and he was he was brilliant for 15, 20 minutes and he was terrifying. Mm. You know, every time he got the ball, you thought he's going he's gonna, he's gonna to murder our back four, which was, well, the centre-halves, which was Agra and Carragher that day. And you really, really feared him. But it is noticeable that, you know, Clark was prepared to use him a little bit more like that. You know, he had the idea that he he, he would get 15 and 20 out of him here and there and then really you'll you'll see more of the lad almost like if you, if, if you compress it. There is the argument, isn't that, that he can be used in 60s or 30s depending on, you know, the fitness, the game the game that you're actually in and all that sort of stuff. It could be, it's something that, that Martinez can do there. I think it's, you're right, it's interesting about it. He looks to me though like a lad who can play, who, who 
maybe unfairly when I say this because you might have said that of Sturridge or, or, or Suarez um, but he looks to me like the sort of lad who plays one up you know when you used to try and see like Chelsea when they signed Torres and they played Drogba and Torres up front mm. and the pair of them would be going no 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 this this doesn't work yeah. one of us has got to do this and Jelovic isn't a second striker Mm. So it's if Lukaku because Lukaku yeah. he's got the intelligence, but he plays it very much as as a drug esque focal point yeah. front man. He was able to get it and give it and appreciate angles. It can be difficult, kind of, to pair those sorts of players up. Well, it, it, looking back at his time at West Brom, I mean, there was a, there was an extreme contrast to the, the players they had up front because mm. you had Shay Long running channels for seventy minutes, hammering channels, just yeah, that's you know that's doing what dogs bodies yeah. That's what he does, and then you, you had an impact sub like him to come on. I mean, it, it, I suppose his debut against West Ham was sort of a piss that because he come on it was a totally different game yeah you know he, he's a game-changing player um whether or not that translates to having a, an immediate impact when you start games well all right yeah he scored three goals in in four games when he started mm. so i mean there's an argument there but i, I mean going back to city and in, in general anyway i thought it was it was very very disappointing for me particularly second half it sort of there wasn't enough bite there for me and and I haven't seen those signs this season from Martinez's side. I thought there was, there was real something about us. I was I was really excited going into it that we were facing that real big test. All right, Chelsea at home, but away from home, which is what Moyes was criticised for so much. We have another big win against a, a big side away from mm. home, apart from City. I thought he, he'd really want to force an impact there, and I thought we were lacklustre second half. You say that, but I thought City stepped it up mm. and showed genuine nous. You know, I think I think that that's a little City were City were impressive actually. City were in a sense almost as impressive as they were against United in that they went the goal down and they responded big time, I mm. thought. I thought it was significant the way in which they responded. And now they're now the only side uh, I think in the top flight who it was still um perfect record at home they're now four from four yeah. from the first seven you know and I think that that's I think that's indicative and that the home form over the last couple of years has been sensational to be brutally honest with you so mm. I think I think that that's indicative of something that you know they they they, they still look to me like favourites for the yeah. title and it's, it's it's in part because of the way in which I say you just saw them step up so I thought Zabaleta it's remarkable how Zabaleta manages to lead from the front when he plays right back and yet he really does yeah. like you know as he stands up and whenever someone City needs a man to stand up and be counted for a period of time he's happy to do it I noticed that there was you know there was a bit of rough stuff around him around yeah. Kolarov because I thought Everton were just struggling to get close to them City were mm. you know they ultimately were, were better players sharper players quicker players and I think that that why I think actually Everton missed Barry was Everton needed the game to stop mm. they needed in the second half even at 2-1 they just needed the game to die for 5-10 minutes and then look to see if you can get something in the last 10 the last 15. Instead, what was happening was Everton were continuing to have a go and it was just they were just being steamrolled. Mm. They were just coming back. Everything that Everton were trying to do was just bouncing off City and City were just constantly taking steps forward towards yeah. a victory that looked inevitable and someone needed to stop the steps. And Because, you, you know, it's not... It, I think Everton had the idea of to, to, use, to extend that metaphor to the point that it breaks, that there's this giant stepping towards them and Everton kept running into it to try to force it yeah. back, to make it bounce backwards when the first thing to do was just to stop it mm. and then try and knock it over. Yeah, and no, that, that, that was and no one sort of did that with Everton it was like it was it, it was the sort of game where a 2-1 even in the back of your mind you, you wouldn't have been surprised if Everton had somehow got together a chance to make it 2-2 mm. but, but it felt inevitable this drive of City 
and I think that's that's the sign of something. I think from City, I, I say I think that's impressive, and I think that these. I'm not saying that they're going to be, you know, they're, they're going to run away with this because I thought they would. I thought City would be would be head and shoulders above this league. It looks to me like they've still got problems solving what they need to do away from home to get results. They were my pick at the start of the season, and, and the, that fullback reason is a, is a lot to do with it. I think he's phenomenally underrated, Zabaleta, mm. and uh, much the same colour of, I suppose, because he's only known for his set piece abilities. Um, but I think you're right. The, the one team in the Premier League that I've seen so far this season which appear to have gears you know we used to talk the old fashioned yep. way about teams having gears stepping it up when they needed to uh, albeit for a couple of strange results they had Cardiff away one and um, they've lost, they lost another game as well didn't yep. they uh, but you know other than that they've looked like when they've had to when when called upon They've they've got that in in supply in deep supply. It makes me it makes me think that they might do a slightly better in Europe this year as mm. well. That I think that it the idea of them just sort of it's part of the Tory thing, but it seems to be beyond Tory now. In seasons past, it's been you've had the real sense that it's Tory who spares them on for a period of time, and he did so against Manchester United. But then they all stepped up against Manchester United. Company was doing it as well. I think quietly, if we, you know, if, if we're going to revisit season starting predictions, and I think this is a good time to do so. Seven games in, then I think that. I was uh, before the ball was kicked this season. I felt Manchester City would win the title, and I still think Manchester City will win the title. The only difference is I don't necessarily think they'll do it with 90, 92, 94 points, which is what I thought earlier in the season. I think that they might well do it now with 84, 86, that sort of territory. I still expect there to be a run from Manchester City in uh, coming back from this international break into October, into November, where they pick up five from six, they pick up six from seven, mm. and suddenly sides are beginning to go. You know, you don't want to face City not when they're in this mood not when they're in this form I expect it to happen for City and I can't quite say the same thing about anybody else mm. and that's why you know I would I would stand by City as champions and I think you would as well yeah I, I predicted City at the start of the season and I, I've seen no, nothing from anybody else really that's in, in fact even though City have had the slip ups it's probably reinvigorated my belief that they'll go on and win the title because nobody else the, the others have f- fallen that far behind I mean <laughs> Chelsea have been really really poor for me and but for the run of fixing they've had and the teams they've had to play i.e. I think they played Hull and uh, was it Palace I think they played Palace in the, yeah. in the first week of the season yeah you know it, two, uh, two harder games than that uh, Villa it was wasn't it Villa at home yeah. they struggled they limped through that got a really lucky victory but for, but for having those games opening up with two home games is massive for the team like Chelsea other than that you know you, the there could have been a lot more well, they've only taken the six points they've only taken six points in the last five games because yeah. they won the first two um, and they're sitting now on 12 points, maybe 13, I think. And they're in that position now where you know you, they, they do need to start picking them up. Yes, they've gone, they've got they got the points at United and they've got the points at Chelsea. Uh, but then and but then they have lost at Everton in there as well. So you know, it's I think it's significant, really. But that said, you still think because of Mourinho and because of the class that there is there you still expect them to continue yeah. to amass points. I think the issue that they've got is one of who leads the line for them, which makes the Lukaku thing ever more. Yeah. Uh, ironic off the base, just simply off the basis of the very thing we've just been talking about with Lukaku the idea that he could come on and change games for half an hour looks like it's exactly what Chelsea have needed if Chelsea had been able to bring on Lukaku for half an hour at Old Trafford they'd have won that game mm. uh, if they'd have been able to bring on uh, Lukaku for half an hour against Everton uh, when it was 1-0 they'd have at least had more of a focal point to play into in the second half when then after in the first half they'd missed all those chances I think it's it's significant that they haven't got that player to bring off the bench or you feel as though changes it even though Torres 
looked, looked decent in Europe. Well, I, I, I'm just thankful that Chelsea have got a, man, a manager in charge who's so egotistical and stubborn as Mourinho because anybody else has recognised that mistake and be eager to get Lukaku back as fast as possible. I know there's not a clause in his contract. I think he's, he has to stay at Everton until the end of the season, barring no major injuries. But yeah, I, I mean, Chelsea have uh, been really strange so far this season. Having said that, they've still done the thing that they did originally under Mourinho. A lot of the time it wasn't pretty. They'd still nick a 1-0. I mean, it, that, when they were lost there, the three games on the bounce, including the Super Cup final, mm. I think there was a was a League Cup game and then there was one in the league. They lost three on the bounce and everybody's talking crisis and everyone down south's going mental saying, you know, is he going to get chopped early? I think they won the following game against Fulham and went top of the league. Yeah, That's the sort of thing that but we've that's what you said though earlier on though about the fact that they had those two home games early yeah. that, that, that supports you, you know, yeah. it's points on the board and I'm going to talk a lot about points on the board tonight points on the board's really interesting Arsenal have got points on the board and Arsenal I don't think have looked great either they were fortunate to get something from Sunderland I felt fortunate uh, again against West Brom as well fortunate again West against brilliant. yeah West Brom deserved all three all three and ended up only with one uh, Arsenal are interesting in that they look like they can spark more than normal. Uh, they don't look as they don't look necessarily as as good in the middle third, I think, as they have done in seasons gone by. But there looks to be a lot of end product. There looks to be a lot of touch a lot of touch around in and around the box. And there's a lot of people arriving late onto the ball as well. Ramsey's an example. Ramsey's been f- f- start of the season so far, really, hasn't he? And you know, you think he's I think he scored seven and eight in his last eight games, and he missed a penalty for Wales actually the other day, didn't he? Um, but you know it. It, it shows. It shows. I suppose when you've got a forty-two million pound player there, I think he's been quite subtle so far. Um, Ozil, I think. I think uh, we're still waiting for him to open the champagne, aren't we? But um, you know, you look at midfield. You've got him in attack. You've got Giroud as well, who, who started like house on fire. It seems to be Arsenal once again. Cazorla. They're getting alternatives now. That's that's the difference. I think over the years you've seen them relying on Van Persie. <laughs> now you could probably see it could become to their advantage in, in, in when they lost Van Persie for last season. They've got far more players who can. They've got four or five metal pot now, haven't they? What I think they've got, which is interesting, is they've got four or five players. Who Play who, who are good between the, the two and the one and a four two three one. Mm. Where where the worry comes in is what happens if Giroud gets a kick before yeah. January. If Giroud, what, what happens if something happens to Giroud? Because the the, the Sonogo lad who they bought hasn't really featured much so far. Ben came off the bench and I think in the last yeah. game. And then Did you, you see his hair? Oh God's glorious! He could uh, do a show on his hair. He never he never stops Ben. He never stops impressing. He never stops bringing you something. Um, and then uh, there's the idea that possibly they could try and lead the line with Walcott as well, but it's not. It's not a wide array of options. Mm. You don't feel as though one goes and there's another world-class striker who's just going to step in there. And there's still question marks over exactly how good Giroud is. I think Giroud's very good. I, I liked Giroud last yeah. season. I thought he was getting unfair flack last season because he's the sort of footballer who constantly does the right thing, even if it doesn't look pretty. Mm. And I think that, that you know there's no prettiness in what Giroud does, uh, but putting the ball in the back of the net is downright beautiful. And he's he, this season he's looked to, to, to have improved in that regard. But the other thing to point out about Arsenal is, unlike uh, Chelsea, as just mentioned, every time Arsenal touched the field this season, they've conceded. Yeah. And I and 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 they look like a side who look like they can concede. You know that's the, that's the other side of having Ramsey rampaging forward from central midfield. There's no recognised holder in there. There's no one who looks like they're even trying to be a recognised holder in there really. And the centre halves were vulnerable last season, and they look even more vulnerable this. There's not n- no new goalkeeper, and those fullbacks will just keep attacking. And I think that the side of this is that you expect. 
as we said last season, Arsenal don't always impress, but you're always waiting for the moment when Arsenal go and win five from seven. It's it's, it's uncanny. I mean, you've called every time. I think there's been at least three times we've been going for what just over a year our show. Yeah. I think there's at least three occasions when I've said Arsenal fall away, Arsenal fall away, and you've always said to me, no, they're always a team that go win five out of six without it even blinking. Yeah. And you do it. They just slip under the radar. It's uncanny how it happens all the time. And this time it's happened. It's interesting. That this has been the first five from seven, and last last couple of seasons they haven't really done that. The question now is if whether or not this is a, again a sustained push mm. north of 80 points or is this just the first five from seven and then there's going to be a little bit of a blip mm. and then there's going to be another five from seven because I still think I'd be very very surprised if at the end of the season Arsenal aren't in a Champions League place uh, that's that's one of the core markers for me you know I still think you rate if you're thinking about getting in the top four we said it all the way through last season what are your plus or minus Arsenal mm. and at the minute Liverpool are level with Arsenal uh, Everton are four points behind Arsenal uh, Manchester United are six points behind Arsenal I think I'm right in saying and so therefore I think you're looking at Arsenal and you're going where are you in context of Arsenal and at the moment being absolutely honest I think um, I think two things. One, I still, I'd still, if you made me pick Liverpool or Arsenal, I'd still tell you that Arsenal will finish ahead of us. Uh, but the other thing um, is, at the moment, the game against Arsenal that Liverpool have got on the second of November looks massive for both sides. But so, isn't it that fortnight you have? Do uh, Arsenal away, Everton away. No, we have that, that's that, that's all in um, that's all in November. We have three yeah. games in November: Arsenal away, uh, Fulham at home, and then Everton away. Um, if you take uh, five points. Then you'd be you'd be happy with that at this stage, and I think that that's that. If Liverpool can stay, because the next two are Newcastle and West Brom, we'll talk more about Liverpool and Everton in a minute. We're going to go to the break, and what we're going to do is uh, this show's just sort of happened organically. We're going to go down the league and talk about all of this sort of stuff. It's the seven <laughs> games team. in. It's seven games in. It's the seven game round up. Round up. It is all in the game. Uh, don't go anywhere. Now it's all in the game with David Downey and. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Splendid stuff there, Jake. I enjoyed that little bit of dead air we had. Uh, killed three seconds. Well in. Uh, this is City Talk 105.9. This is all in the game. And then We sort of started this thinking tonight we were going to end up doing that, but we found ourselves organically having a lovely state of the league conversation that we're going to go with up until 7am. 7am? <laughs> no. No. That's on the list of things that isn't going to happen. 7pm uh, here on City Talk 105.9. Um, and we're going to clatter on down the league table, really. We've sort of, well, the the way we're doing this so far, Dave, is the league table as it sort of was in my head. We've talked about Chelsea, Manchester City and Arsenal so far. Um, next ones to talk about, I think, who you you felt there was five and you thought would come top five, uh, uh, would be in around the top five at the start of the season. The next one's down there. Probably will do Spurs next. Uh, Spurs aren't doing quite as well as uh, you might have thought. They're so far sitting on uh, on 13 points, six, uh, three points off the pace. Um Spurs have been very, very odd. I'm surprised they've got 13 points. I'm surprised they picked that many up. Whenever I've seen them, they look to me like a side that doesn't still have a clue what it's about. Yeah, the, the absolute home record of a side. Because I had a bet on them the other day, and my missus wasn't happy when they lost 3-0 at West Ham. <laughs> Needless to say, uh, yeah, Spurs are a bit of an enigma so far. I, I, I've had them in my head that every time they're playing a, a weakened opposition at home, they're going to absolutely steamroller past them, and I don't know what it is. They had a touch, they've had a touch this in a few years. Uh, I think, uh, well, particularly under... Uh, vs Boas, I think they struggled against Norwich, mm. um, Swansea at home. Certain sides turn up and seem to get a result at White Hart Lane, and it sort of make me doubt myself because I, I picked them as maybe not title contenders per se, but 
third, you know, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, certainly edging 80 points and above. They, I think they are the anti-Liverpool. Mm. <laughs> I think Spurs have uh, have lots of wonderful things happening in the middle of the pitch and no cutting edge. And I think that this is a profound issue that they've got to solve. Soldado looks like he's a finisher. He looks like he's a really good finisher, but he's nothing but a finisher. He's, he doesn't look like he's creating, his, he's not creating his own chances. It doesn't look like he's not going to beat two and put it in the top corner. He doesn't look like he's going to be thrashing them in from 25 yards either. He doesn't. He looks like a, pen, a penalty box striker, a bit of a throwback actually. Um, so you know you'd be concerned if they were making chance after chance, but that doesn't seem to be happening yet. Maybe Lamar will start getting more games, see if he can cut sides apart. But they look like the sort of side. It remind they remind me a little bit of um, of, of who they is Liverpool in that they're, they're a big side. They're very strong in, in, in the middle of the pitch. They're very strong in midfield, um, and yet at times just slightly you, you feel as though they're a side that can be stopped. And I think it's really interesting. It's interesting you mentioned Vias Boas there because the thing Vias Boas had at Porto and you know, spe- look at, looking at Porto as as the example was there was a lot of cutting edge mm. uh, when he was at Porto. I think that, that, that was when they had Falcao uh, and they had um, they they had Hulk. Obviously, they still got. Oh no, he's gone to he's gone to uh, to Zenit. But they had they had those players who were able to cut sides open really with with power, pace, and opportunism. And I don't think he's quite. He had that in Bale, obviously, and he managed to release Bale from 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 what had been going on before him, and arguably made him a better player, created a platform for him. But now I don't think that there's the obvious contender for them to do that with for, to be that destructive force when which then makes sense of having a lot of strong lads around you in centre mid off the basis of the fact that well, we, we're very confident we're going to get one or two yeah. um, therefore we you know we just need to see it out and I think that that's going to be a difficulty for them we had Kath Stewart on last week and she said it's still a side that a team that doesn't know what its best side is and is still looking to find and understand each other and that's the that's the risk of, of, of making that many changes that was always going to be the the, the, the problem in getting rid of Bale I mean I, I was overly optimistic when Bale left I thought Spurs have become a fantastic side now that Bale's left um, and obviously others have pointed to the fact well he's, you know he's still losing one of the best players in the world on current form but you know there, there used to be a thing that goes around about Spurs uh, amongst journalists when they used to say when players went to Spurs and I'm talking about the era when you saw the likes of Danny Murphy go there mm. they always used to have an abundance of midfielders far too many they'd sign midfielders just for a laugh mm. and everyone uh, journalistically always used to say Players think they've arrived when they get to Tottenham. And I thought that sort of myth was washed away with Vias Boas, obviously more recently, but before that, Martin Yoll as well, because I, I actually rated him as a really good manager when he was at Spurs. And I'm not sure that that's fully the case, because I look at players that they've got, like Kyle Walker, like Aaron Lennon, uh, obviously they're, they're going on to be England stalwarts themselves, which obviously in their head they've made it because they're playing international football, they're young and they're English. I sort of think that's maybe may have seeped into Spurs. Mm. Players like the likes of Ericsson, who was tipped to go to a Champions League side, uh, indeed was at a Champions League side, uh, Lamella, the same. They've gone to Spurs as if it's a step up. Well, when in fact these guys, these lads are only in the Europa League, and very much the utopia is still Champions League football. So, I, I think maybe uh, mentally, when when you lose Bale, who's sort of you know in this corner at Tottenham and gone on to move to a club like Real Madrid, it's very much a different step for those players who were going there, like Eriksson, like Lamella. That those midfields they've got. I mean, you, you look at the likes of Andros Townsend; he's been the best player so far this season, and I don't think it's any coincidence the fact that he's come through the ranks at a loan spell at a, at a club in QPR yeah. and now he looks phenomenal you know it, it, it seems to be a natural progression that's the way things are done whereas these other lads are coming in and it's a slight it's a sideways move if anything if not you know slightly down 
because they've been playing Champions League football. I know it's very interesting. I think that could well be the case, and I think it's also just simply finding finding the ways in which you gel. And I think it's it's back to this idea that you know you, the, the football appears to want one player to to come through there. Okay, that spares them. That's the f- I mean the fifth side therefore is Manchester United, um, who sit on ten points. Um, Strong record at, uh, sorry, away, actually quite a strong record comparatively to the rest of the league away from home. Mm. <laughs> so they seem to have done the business, one, two on the road, um, only picked up four points at home so far. Without getting into the Moyes aspect a little bit too much, it's it's an interesting start for Manchester United. It's, um, again, only six points off the pace because no one's stolen a march. I think they'd be feeling a little sore if one of Chelsea or City had gone and took 19 from 21. You know, they might be thinking there, you know, this is not this is already looking like it's going to be a, a long way back up this hill. But in, in real terms, if you still fancy City for the title, United are only three points behind Manchester City. Nothing's gone for United, I think. It'd be complacent to think otherwise. And it'd be, you know, it's it'd be insulting to... To Moyes and those players, uh, those players have been there, seen it, and done it. And there is a reason why Manchester United went after David Moyes in the first place, anyway. And that he, you know he's, he's demonstrated the fact that he's a good manager. You've got to think still. You'd expect um, Manchester United to finish above Tottenham Hotspur. You'd expect Manchester United to finish above Liverpool. The question is whether or not you expect Manchester United to get ahead of Arsenal, Chelsea, and Manchester City at this stage, Dave. And that's where it's that's where it's it's still interesting for them. Yeah, I think they'll have done well if they get above one of those three. Um, probably Arsenal, but having said that, I mean what you say about Arsenal could very well ring true, couldn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it, 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 joking and all of the other conjecture that goes in Moyes' side. Uh, I think they <laughs> they've been very anti-Ferguson in terms of look, in terms of. Uh, I mean, even he threw up the fixtures ridiculously, but he, aside from him looking stupid when he said it. He actually has got a point there. Yeah, fixtures United normally get. You know, it's very much um, to, to steal a, a saying that came to Liverpool when Brendan Rodgers came in. Very much a year one thing yeah. for Manchester United. And I still think he's he's still trying to find his place at Man United. Very much, I think he, he's gone in there with. You know, he's thought things are a lot different than they actually are at Man United. I think he's been given a huge wake up call. Having said that, like you say, three points behind Man City. Given how atrocious I've seen them so far this season, well, exactly. I mean, uh, I, mean I think he'll be sitting there thinking, "I've done a real bullet there." The, what, what, the, 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 the thing, the other thing to state is that the, that's including Palace at home and Sunderland away, uh, both of whom now you think you know are going to be in, in and around the idea of going down. Uh, so what the, the, another one of those wins was at Swansea, where the, Swansea had a bit of an odd start to the season. Really, well, that was the one where they actually looked, they looked the good. Part, yeah, they, they looked, yeah. looked, they looked good. First game of the season, Manchester United. Uh, yeah, it's not been, it's been tough in that. That that that, that also includes. Chelsea and Manchester City as well, um, but West Brom are only. You know, we've got Liverpool. have got West Brom home coming up. You'd expect to do better from there. What's happening is that those fixtures are sort of parring out now. They started stern, but now seven games in, you've you've got four weaker sides and three tougher sides in there, and you know that'll become through the next run of games. And this is going to be, I think, critical for United is 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 what they can get from those ones. It's it's picking it up now. I think is what's going to define a lot of what they're doing, a lot of what they're about. Uh, next two in the list, then we'll do the local clubs. I think you'd have you'd have thought. You'd have thought that Liverpool and Everton would be coming sixth, seventh, eighth. Uh, what you've seen of Everton, of Liverpool so far, Dave? Actually, what you've seen of Liverpool so far? Can Liverpool come higher than sixth? Yeah, without a doubt, I think it's. I think it looks ominous, actually. Uh, I, I actually, in the last few weeks, started to get feelings about Liverpool that I haven't had for a very long time in terms of mm, slight fear that you know they're coming back. Why? From simply, simply well, to put it bluntly, there are a few more reasons to put it bluntly. You, you've got a strike force that is 
phenomenal on its day and I, I, you know, I've often chuckled at Brendan Rodgers when he said stuff like that himself. But you look at those two lads there. You know, you've only got to get either one of them on on the day. Even even those are you know half pace. Those two, you still win your football matches. You know what I mean? You, you, that is what sort of scares me a lot because I, I I get the impression with Liverpool that you will come across some games where. You'll be atrocious defensively. I, I thought that Sunderland game was a really funny game, uh, where I thought Sunderland could have scored three, four, five. But Liverpool were always going to win that game. Yeah, I haven't felt that for a while about Liverpool. I have to admit, uh, I think it was, you know, Benitez mid era Benitez when I thought, you know, these these will win most games here. When when Liverpool played that again, when Liverpool are playing at Anfield again now, I'm thinking this is three points. Whereas last three, four, five years, I've thought. No, the other t- the other side's got a chance here. You know that th- those weekends. I mean, as an Evertonian, a lot of Evertonians will be able to reciprocate what I'm saying here. When when you look at the weekends and you think, like the last weekend, for instance, we've got Man City away, Liverpool got Palace at home. Last few years, you've been like, if we get took out of City, Liverpool won't be Palace. <laughs> but it's starting to happen again now. Liverpool will brush them sides aside. Uh, you know, that was a typical game that finished nil-nil in previous years. Obviously, the Southampton was the, the one, you know, the spanner in the works, but yeah, Liverpool seem to me like they are finally starting to click and get things together. And it, it's, it's deserved, actually, because they brought a man in who wasn't everybody's favourite. They brought a man in who, you know, as soon as Rafa Benitez is unemployed, everyone's calling for his head still somewhere. You know, I think they've done really, really well to persist with him. I still think he comes out with some outrageous things himself um, as a talker, but he likes to talk. He likes to talk. We'll afford him that. He does like to talk. Uh, yeah, I, I can't, I can't say, Liverpool could definitely finish, easily finish in the top five. What's, what's striking is that um, he said at the start of the season, the manager said he wanted 15 more league goals, which would mean 86 league goals. Uh, at the minute, Liverpool have only got, let me do the maths very, very quickly, Liverpool have only got 11 so far, which doesn't, which isn't the rate that they need to be going at if they're going to uh, if they're going to tick through the, the desired number of league goals. You said to me in the break that if they both get 25, meaning it's Sturridge and Suarez, you know, how does Liverpool not come in the top four? And I think that that's, that's suddenly the thing which which you're waiting on, sort of. The way they don't get 25 each other, the way Liverpool is, 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 is that middle third where there's still question marks over what Liverpool are doing. Yeah. Um, but I think that we can, you know, it's... I'm very buoyed by it. Uh, I, th- I do think that Liverpool's next two games are huge for them. I think Liverpool can take six points from the next two. Um, and they're interesting games in the last season. They, they were the, both the, the, the good and bad of last year. Uh, Newcastle away, 6-0. Uh, Liverpool just murdered them, mm. and then at, but then West Brom at home two 0 two nil defeat. Where Liverpool were, were the better side, they were hammering on the door, but they they, they lacked that cutting yeah. edge. It was a bit of an off day. Sturridge wasn't available for selection. Uh, the manager picked a bit of a mad team. Um, I think it was John Joe Shelby's last league start for Liverpool, and it it never seemed to be quite right for the football club. So I think if if they get a result against Newcastle and then get a result against um, against West Brom, then we know. By virtue of the table, they're walking into it, the Emirates on the 2nd of November, and they're going to be at worst joint top. And then I think that's then nine games, that's a quarter of a season, and then that, that, that becomes something that's quite significant. We're going to talk about Everton after the break, uh, and then, and these are two very separate sentences, we're going to talk about Everton after the break, and then we're going to get into the relegation issue. This is uh, all in the game, <laughs> City Talk 105.9, I don't upset anyone. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. 
Behind me, Esther McVeigh talks on the television. Thankfully, it's on mute. This is City Talk 105.9. This is all in the game. Dave Downey uh, is in the chair with me, Neil Atkinson. We're going to keep clattering on quickly here. We're going to talk about Everton briefly. I was, I, I'm going to give you a pressy of our conversation we had in the break. Um, uh, I was at Norwich doing a thing uh, this weekend, and one of the panellists was uh, Julia Jakes, who writes a fair bit about football and other matters, and she, she happened to comment that of all the sides that she's seen this season, the one, the sides who've been better than you'd have expected or uh, than the points or than, the, you know, the, the, the side that have perhaps she's been surprised by the most has been Everton. She says she, said she thought Everton played really good stuff and it's quite interesting coming from an outsider perspective, Dave. You know, the idea that maybe you might feel as though Everton could do with maybe of having got another couple of wins in those early draws, but the other side of that is that they have at least looked like a side that's quite different from the side from last season there's been transitions a dirty word I think in football we all shy away from it but if Everton are transitioning they're doing it quite quick yeah it's it's been really impressed me to be honest with you because I think that's the, the first hurdle Martin has had to overcome was instilling some belief in people because I for one and I know a lot of other Evertonians weren't particularly thrilled when he got the job and that doesn't mean to say we, we thought he'd do a bad job but you know, you'd had someone else ahead of him in the pecking order to, to, to take over. Uh, and he's he's sort of, he's obliterated that straight away, I think. Um, those three draws put a bit of pressure on him. And after those three draws, we, we've been fantastic. Uh, the three games that we won, obviously City aside, which was, a, you know, the spanner in the work so far this season. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting to hear how we're perceived by other, other clubs other than obviously Liverpool. I mean, you, you give an honest view on Everton. Um but you know the likes of other sides, like a, like a Norwich. Who, I mean, we played really well that day when we drew two all on the opening day of the season. I said to you in the break. I think you look at Everton so far, probably level par score for how we've played, and a lot of Blues would disagree with that because of how well we've done since those three draws. But those three draws, there were a couple of frustrating performances, particularly West Brom at home. Uh, obviously, you're not expecting to beat Chelsea at home as well, so it's probably breaking even how I see it. Uh, the, the the real test probably starts roundabout now for, for Martinez. If there's a honeymoon period, then he's probably had it, I think, because we've had the razzmatazz of new badges, Dale Lefeu, some wonder kid from Barcelona. <laughs> all the very un-Everton stuff has happened and everyone's got all giddy and excited about it. I think now it's time to settle and see what he's really about. And I still, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure he knows his best side, because you've got Darren Gibson coming back from injury. I think he played for the, for, for Ireland over in Germany uh, on Saturday, on Friday. So I don't, I still don't think he knows his best eleven, and that, that's a really good sign, I think, because you know you could pick Everton's one to eleven really, really easily over the last few years, and now I think you know you've got. 14, 15, 16 lads vying for positions now. And that's the real difference. Uh, and I think if he can adapt that to the points top we've already got, it's an excellent foundation that he's he's given us so far. I mean, look, you've got a derby on the horizon. Uh, we, I think we've got Man United away on the horizon as well. Uh, we've got... That'll be interesting. But Yeah, by, by contrast to others, we've got a pretty decent... Uh, festive period. I think we got Southampton home, Sunderland yep. home. Uh, don't travel further than Stoke over over the New Year Christmas period. So, I mean, I, I, I'm re- I'm really positive on the outlook of Everton so far, but. You know, in typical Everton style, Lukaku's only on loan for a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the other, the other aspect of this then is, is, is the sides to go down. I, I, I'm, but Southampton have, 
look a very good side and could genuinely challenge, I think, for the top four place. Uh, they could certainly be the, be like Newcastle were two seasons ago, where they hang on in there for a long, long mm. time. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see them doing that. The other sides that you've got Hull who've picked up uh, 11 points. Villa are currently on 10. Newcastle are on 10. West Brom are on 9. Uh, West Ham are on 8. Cardiff 8, Swansea 7, surprisingly low. Stoke 7, they looked good two, three games ago and now suddenly find themselves on 7 points. Fulham on 7, Norwich on 7, Palace on 3, Sunderland on 1. In a league which is decided, in a mid league that's decided by whether or not you get to 40 points, only having won from the first 7 games genuinely, genuinely impedes your chances, doesn't it? I mean, let's be quite honest about that. You need to be going at a rate of approximately a point a game. Mm. You can say, well, it only takes two wins, but then if anyone else only gets two wins, it gets harder. Some of them look in real trouble. Yeah, they, they, they look, still look a shambles, and I'm surprised they've taken so long to appoint a manager. I think one of the reasons why they can't appoint a manager is that it wouldn't surprise me if, the, if, if that the man, everyone that they were sort of thinking of was Oman and Ar, and they've got themselves Poye now, and he's in. But, it, you know, it wouldn't have surprised me if they were maybe trying to aim a bit higher than Poye, and a number of people who are going basically I'm just guiding these lads down well it's funny Martin O'Neill comes out smelling like a white mushroom doesn't he all of a sudden because the man he got rid of he's probably going to take the island job himself you probably think well, he's the type of character I mean I don't rate him myself but he's the type of character you probably want one of those situations coming in obviously he's, he's off the list because he was sacked by the, the yep. guy Ellis Short wasn't he uh, the, um, then, then there's Palace on three I think we I think we, we all I think can care that it would be remarkable if Palace went so I haven't thought of maybe at the start of the season that Hull might be down there as well who's your uh, who's your other prediction from all of those now I uh, think Fulham will struggle I think Fulham will struggle as well I think it's going to be I think it's going to be quite a, an unedifying uh, relegation battle this season I think there's going to be a lot you're going to be watching a lot of sides mostly be rather dull um, which I think I think y'all will be one of the next managers to go yeah I'd be, I'd be very surprised if y'all survives yeah. till Christmas um, and things that weren't rather dull was all in the game tonight we've done rather well here I, I think mean, Dave I'm, I'm really impressed you're very impressed with yeah. us well I think we've uh, we've motored along really pat uh, on the back and a glass of wine pat on the back for all time what's my out time there Dave I can't see it come on this is the professionalism it's on that it's top one there what? oh it's alright Dave I'll have to just arc this round Um he hasn't written anything. Oh dear, oh dear, Jake, I've forgotten it. I think it's any time pretty much around now. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.